Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tale Hello. Chat. We're live. We are live. We're live. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount because that's what we're preaching through. There are children screaming on my street and dogs barking, so that's just part of the ambiance today. Pandemic ambiance. Yeah. <laughs> it's pandemic ambiance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm here with Ben Sternke and Spencer Ruark. Hey. Hey. Father Ben. Father Spencer. As everybody calls Father him. Father Spencer. That's what everybody calls him. Uh, all right. So, Spencer, you read uh, and preached. You mostly preached through uh, Acts 7. Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Sermon Matthew on the Mount in Matthew. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> ben, you want to read that text for us? Sure. I was just going to look it up here. So, Matthew 7, we did. Um, Matt, you preached the first uh, few verses. Yeah, I did. Last week. And this week uh, was the asking and the seeking and the knocking. Just looking it up here. Here it is. All right. So here's the section we preached from. All right. Ask and you will receive. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Who Mm. among you will give your children a stone when they ask for bread? Or give them a snake when they ask for fish? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, you should treat people in the same way that you want people to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Yeah. All right, Spencer, you want to recap uh, recap the good news you proclaimed to us, and, and then we can just maybe ask questions and chat about this more. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so the good news proclamation on Sunday was that God is our loving Father, not a demanding and distant deity. His kingdom of abundance is obliterating scarcity and win-lose relationships. So instead of demanding, defending, and deceiving, you are free to simply ask for what you need. Mm. Yeah. All right. What what stirred for you then? That is good news. What stirred for you as Uh, you uh, heard that? Yeah, a couple things I I guess immediately uh, come to mind. We have um, one of the uh, this is like years ago, we, we made a family, like um, kind of a vision and values, kind of, I don't know, kind of some axioms for our family uh, years ago. And one of the things we put on there was that um, it's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to ask for what you want. And that, that I, I realized when our kids were younger, that was, and even now today, that was like a really big deal to train them into Hmm. owning and naming their desires and then holding, submitting them, holding them before others in the family as their desires and simply asking for their needs to be met instead of, you know, uh, demanding, like you had said, like demanding instead of kind of looking at those relationships in win-lose categories, instead of thinking, oh, it's my job to make convince mom and dad that I should be able to have a, you know, marshmallow for a snack you know, rather than something else. Um, but just owning what they want um, and then submitting that. And I remember yes. that we did a lot of training around that with our kids. 
Um, I remember that being a really significant phrase for us. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that, that was that's what, what comes to mind. That's cool. That's what struck me about this, Spencer, too. It's related to what Ben said. There's this confluence in these verses, and it's ambiguous about who you're asking and seeking and knocking to. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because there's there's two indications here. One is that you're asking and seeking and knocking towards God. Um, but then yeah. uh, verse 12 uh, ties it into other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... From I don't know I don't know how you saw that, but for me, I know you preached it as though we're supposed to ask, seek, and knock with others. Um, that's what I heard from you, and I'm wondering like, is Matthew, is Matthew working with a really thick description, or Jesus working with a really mm-hmm. thick description of what the church is? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the church then is yeah. as the as his body. Um, we could say if it's given to you from Spencer, it's given to you from God. If I were to ask mm-hmm. you for something. I don't know, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think I think that that's, it's so hard to unlearn the ways that we've read this passage previously. And so mm-hmm. most of us can quote it pretty much uh, and mm-hmm. almost always think of it being in relation to prayer only. Um, but I, I think the more yeah. time that I spent with it last week, the less ambig- ambiguous the text felt to me because it, it comes straight after the passage that you just preached on, which is all about how we're relating to each other. And there's no transition. I mean, in the Bible, right? Because of the way that we break out our verses, there's a different header on it. And so I think yeah. we naturally think, oh, this is a different section of the sermon. But if you just imagine Jesus preaching about judging not lest you be judged, First, take the log out of your eye so that you can help your your neighbor with the speck in their own eye, mm. and then straight away asking, saying, "Asking you will receive, seeking you will find." It's it's disorienting, honestly, uh, because I think I think you're right. I think Jesus is giving us a a new way to relate to each other, a new way to be in community with one another, um, and I think even that is like just kind of scratching the surface of what what's at work here. Yeah, bro, I'm noticing. Ben, what you got? Just yeah, you know, oxygen, just to fill or you that. Want to say something. <gasps> yes, oxygen's <laughs> good too, though. That was a good. That was a great breath. Um, no, I. Um, yeah, I think that's. Um, I think it's worth teasing that out or, or filling that out. That description of what what you mean there by a thick uh, description, because you mentioned this in the sermon, Spencer, that um, that there is a. Uh, I don't know. There's an overlap mm-hmm. here. There's not a clear distinction between my life with God and my life with those in the body of Christ, those in the church, um, that there is this bringing together of these things where it almost seems like Jesus is being intentionally ambiguous here to say, yeah, in your prayer, you ask God for things. And then in your relationships, you ask others for things. And then when you are, when you find yourself provided for, you're like, you know, God is providing for you. But, you know, even though it was Spencer who, you know, made me that meal or, you know, gave me the money that I needed from rent or whatever, um, that that God in, has intended that we will be f- the hands and feet of Christ for each other. Um, that the way that yeah. the primary way that God provides for me is not by, you know, like a meal falling out of heaven, you know, even though there is such a thing as manna. Um, right. But the primary 
way that God wants to provide for me is through uh, the body of Christ, through others who, you know, so I have the blessing of receiving and somebody else has the blessing of giving. And we both, we both sort of benefit. And the, and the good of that is a, is, is a, is something greater than just the good of me receiving what I need and the good of you being able to give something. But there, there's a connection forged that, strengthens our bond and strengthens together our bond with God. Yeah. Uh, okay. So one of the detriments, one of the detriments in preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the way we're preaching it is it's hard to hold it all together when we break it down into bite-sized chunks, Mm -hmm. but then we're conditioned to not remember, you know, in an oral culture, you'd read something aloud and you could read for 20 or 30 minutes and people would just hold it all, you know, Mm -hmm. and they'd interact with it, but that's not how we're trained to consume media, right? We live in the 240 character generation where we, you know, our, 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 our short-term memory can barely hold on to words for longer than 10 seconds. So I'm looking back at judging others, you know, judge not so that you not be judged. Um, and then do not give what is holy to the dogs. I'm noticing that both of those commands are about, are about um, acting wrongly towards other people. doing wrongly towards them. Mm. Uh, and then it's actually, if we could even like get more specific, it's gi- it's giving them something wrongly. Yeah. Mm. So giving a condemnation without first taking the log out of your eye, giving them a judgment without first taking the log out of your eye, and giving what's holy to something that can't appreciate it. Yeah. And so it's two like, it's two focuses on giving or doing, doing, and then the, the sh- there's a shift here, right? It's like, what what if you stop just trying to do so many things? <laughs> you just asked for something, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. I don't know. Yeah. I just that's the first time it's ever struck me. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like at, at work there's a, a relinquishing of control, right, or a rejection of coercion in relationship, and I think it kind of it goes through judging and casting your pearls before swine and into asking. But then at the base of that, like at the root of that is who God is and the type of the way that he is God, the way that he rules over the universe is with an open hand. And that not only informs, but it transforms how we can interact Mm. on a daily basis, even in the minutiae, I think, of our days. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I I remember it was it was Dallas Willard, um, you know, don't throw your pearls before pigs. Is sometimes sort of like, you know, don't don't give your uh, don't give good stuff to people who aren't worthy of it. Um, mm. But it was Willard, I think, who first mentioned um, this in a way that I don't know. It just it helped me a lot. He said the problem the problem with pearls and pigs is not that the pigs aren't worthy of the pearls. It's that like the pig has no use for pearls. Mm-hmm. The pig doesn't need them, and right. so throwing your pearls to pigs is it's not, it's not that the pigs aren't worth your pearls. It's that the pigs can't use your pearls. You're giving them something that they can't use. They can't digest it. It's not helpful. Yeah. It's right. not helpful for the pigs. Right. Um, and I'm even connecting this too back to, you know, Matthew 6, where Jesus is talking about giving, praying, fasting, and then he's, he's talking about your treasure, and he's talking about not worrying and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of comes to this head in Matthew 6.33 where he says, Instead, seek first the kingdom of God, which essentially just means like um, 
Make it your top priority to be involved in what God is doing, his kingdom. And all of these things will be given to you. Because it, it strikes me that the trust that's needed for us not to judge, for us not to try to get things from people, for, for us to just simply open-handedly ask for things, the trust that we need is that um, if things don't go how I want, if I don't immediately, you know, if I ask for something and, and Spencer doesn't give it to me in the way that I'm expecting it or wanting it, that um, that doesn't mean, like, I still trust that God is somehow going to be superseding to give me with the things that I need. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, like, there's a, there's a level of trust here that's required for me to enter into relationships in this open-handed way. Yes. Yeah, that's the other part of this that strikes me, too, is that when you're, like, condemning others or judging others, or you're throwing things before people that can't appreciate them, like, there's no right reckoning of the relationship. Mm. The relationship is not rightly seen or reckoned with. There's 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 a lack of shalom in those relationships. Yeah. Right? Seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in, in this in this text that you preach Sprincer is about is like a positive like just ask, seek, and knock. Yeah. You know? Yep. <sighs> yeah, in a weird way, I mean maybe not in a weird way, but I think there's so many directions you could take this, but I do think that one of the huge things that I was reflecting on is just like what it means to be in a relationship is to be committed to telling the truth to one another. Mm. Um, Mm. you know, and I think that we always say this at the table, but when you're going to tell the truth to somebody, especially if it may be a hard truth, you always start with the truth about yourself. And I think that I see a lot of that in asking for what you need. And, And I think, you know, that's how you you humanize each other because anything yes. less than that, anything less less than being honest about where you're at and being vulnerable is dehumanizing the other, is seeing them as like a chess piece to be moved around the board um, yeah. hmm. or manipulated for your own gain or for your own end. Yeah. 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 And so it comes back to, for me, like this word communion um, is something that I thought about earlier that this is, this is how to like engage with others in communion, um, not in manipulation, not sort of using them, like you said, as a chess piece for my own yes. gain. But I trust, I trust that, okay, I'm going to seek first the kingdom, which, which means being involved in what God's doing, which means being involved in communion. So I'm going to see the people around me as um, not objects for me to use to get what I need, but as subjects for me to encounter and Mm. to commune with. And the way that I commune is I offer my vulnerability. And so one of the things that I do then is I ask for what I need, you know, and I, and I let, and I let someone say yes or no, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and in so doing, even if I don't get what I think I need in that moment, Mm -hmm. I'm still opening space for communion. And so I'm really like, I'm still seeking first the kingdom Mm-hmm. trusting that I will, God will provide what I need if I, if I seek first the kingdom in this relationship and just ask for what I need. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So Spencer, you referenced um, telling the truth about ourselves is one of the ways that we try to live into this. What are some other ways you've either participated in or witnessed in our community that um, either we do live into this or maybe ideas about how for us to inhabit this at the table? 
Hmm. Yeah, I think, well, one of the things that stuck out to me in preparing is just that when you do, you know, honestly confess your need or, or your desire that your community can tell you no. Um, <laughs> and I think that we are often just associate no's with like a breakdown in relationship. Hmm. When in actuality, like to, to give in and say yes, every time somebody asks for something, that's, that is another way of dehumanizing each other. Uh, and it's another form of coercion. And so hmm. being free, not only to name your wants, but for then the other person to be free to say no. And for us then to be like, okay, well, this isn't the end of the road for us, but now we, ha we get to navigate this together. Like w why, why is there a no to a desire that you have? Mm, um, yeah. And that's all, you know, worked out with the understanding that none of us is, you know, knows everything about the situation, right? Like we all are coming to it from our own perspective. None of us is Jesus. Uh, yeah. So it gets messy sometimes, I think, but that's, yeah. we, it's, we really lack an imagination for that. I think at least I do personally uh, for knows being a good thing in relationship. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. And there's there's trust there. It strikes me that there's trust there. What what it requires of me to just even ask for what I need before I hear yes or no is is trust not just in God that he'll provide my needs ultimately, but also trust in you, the person I'm asking, trust in my community that I'm going to be taken seriously and that you're going to you're going to honor my need that my mm. weakness is not going to be used against me here, but that it will be honored and listened to. Even if it does result in no, I can't provide that for you. We can't do that for you. Even if it does result in that, to know that um, my vulnerability is going to be treated as an opportunity for communion. Mm. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, as kids, you know, kids, my kids are, five and two and telling them, no, I mean, it feels like they're going to die. Like <laughs> not, not watching a movie while we're getting dinner ready. is just like, why do you hate me? And uh, why do you want to make me miserable? And it's just like, I think we are like that as adults oftentimes as well. It's like, yeah. Hey, I finally like told you what I wanted and now you're not going to give it to me. And so, yeah. you know, as adults, we have ways of posturing our way out of it. And so we don't look so petulant, but I think, yeah, it usually leads to some kind of breakdown in relationship. Okay. Now I'm not going to ask you again, or now I'm just not in relationship with you yeah. um, because I didn't get what I want. Yeah. So, yeah. so what is that guys? How do you chalk that up? So we learn all kinds of really unhelpful community destroying things to do with our wants. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned in your good news proclamation, Spencer, that we make demands. Um, yeah. Sometimes we sometimes we do underminded passive aggressive things. Sometimes we hide what we want. Um, you know why is this so hard for us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is. I think fundamentally, this is about ego preservation for a lot of us. I mean, maybe that's just me as an Enneagram Eight thinking about it. But I think mm -hmm. that I think the reason that Jesus says ask you know, and it'll be given to you, seek and you'll find. And then he goes into talking about the kind of God that God is, that he's a loving father that wants to give you good things is because 
that is the only thing that can free you up just to be you. Mm. You know, I think we, we are formed into uh, needing, I need Matt and Ben to validate or, you know, make me feel confident about who I am, you know, that I'm doing good, that I'm doing a good job, that I'm welcome here, that I'm lovable, whatever it is. We, I think that's like one of the more uh, insidious ways that we use each other is mm. to validate those things, but we aren't open about the negotiation we're making. And so I think that's why hmm. we're stuck right in the middle is talking about who we are, who God is and who we are to him. Yeah. I th I've thought a lot about um, Ted Lasso actually uh, <laughs> about related to this sermon. Yeah. Um, because who is Ted Lasso? You, Just for Ted Lasso. Yeah. It's a show on Apple TV and it, it spawned from like a 10 minute short, like basically the whole bit is that an American football coach um, goes over to England to coach a, a premier league team. And he has no idea. He doesn't know anything about soccer at all. Um, and shockingly, you know, they made this into a full season of a show and it's actually a super, you know, heartwarming show. And yeah. I cried more, more than once watching it. Yeah. Um, Surprisingly good. Yeah. Ted Lasso, he kind of becomes like a, he's not perfect by any means, but he's kind of a Christ figure of sorts. Right. And I think the reason that he seems that way is because he's, he is completely wholehearted, uh, no matter what, um, in the face of rejection, in the face of insults or people that don't take him seriously. Like it doesn't, he does struggle with, you know, being wounded, but he doesn't ever, it doesn't change who he is or how he engages with other people. Hmm. And uh, he's completely vulnerable throughout the whole show too. And yeah. so I found myself watching it and just being like, oh man, I want to be like Ted Lasso when I grow up. Like I want to yeah. be just com completely committed to being vulnerable, even when people reject me. Yeah. And I, the only imagination I have for how to, how to be that wholehearted um, and risk rejection or hurt is in the knowledge of who God is and who I am as a result, you know, without that, because I, I think there's this weird dance that we're doing of like the community that God has called us to be and the community uh -huh. that we're trying to live into at the table. But we yeah. also will acknowledge at the table that we will hurt each other. And so sometimes the community needs to tell somebody no, right. Or I need to tell somebody no. And then there's sometimes that I probably will say no when I don't need to, I guess I have to assume that that's the case as well, but it needs to be the only way that that can be okay for somebody is if they know who they are, you know, if that interaction doesn't determine who they are yeah. or invalidate them as a person. Yeah. Yeah. That's really wise. There, there is something that is just super basic. There's, it's just super basically vulnerable to talk about what you need and what you want. Yes. Like I, to ask this, and to just, seek and to knock. Yeah. To ask and seek and knock. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is, like you said, the preservation of ego. Um, and I think part of it is just like to have a need, like is to, is to admit, like that's the worst thing for your ego because you're not, you're now, I'm not complete. Like I'm not sort of like contained all by myself. Like I, I need something. Um, and there's the risk of rejection. There's a risk of feeling pain. Um, there's the risk. I, I'm just thinking about my own life and like, yeah, I guess I don't, I like I've, so for me, one of the things my ego self has um, 
has done is that it's created like the way that I'm valuable in relationships is that I can do something for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm able to help you and I'm able to do something for you. I'm competent to help you solve a problem. And that has been like the negotiation, like you talked about Spencer of, of like, Oh, this is, I'll be, I'll be welcomed if I can prove that I'm useful. And so part of the threat for me in asking for what I want and, and admitting that I have weaknesses and needs is like my ego self is in the background there going like, no, 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 don't do that. You know, like mm-hmm. people won't want you around unless you're the one who doesn't have needs, unless you're the one who is able to help other people. Mm. Um, and so I think there's just this basic vulnerability, right, that we have to embrace uh, in order to really have communion. Um with each other and, and kind of enter into the kingdom in this way. Yeah. I think that's why it's hard though. It's we've, we've made all these negotiations, whatever they are for us, you know, to preserve that ego self, which allows me to sort of be in proximity to people and have something like communion. That's not actually quite communion, but it feels less risky. Mm. Yes. A humorous anecdote about this. Can I give you a humorous anecdote? Sure. The, the older I get, the less willing I am to let other people buy me things that I want. So, 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 so this, this this time of this year. This time of year. Oh, you guys hear that echo? You hear that echo? Mm-hmm. Ben, what'd you do? Ben, what'd you do? This usually when <laughs> Ben does something, does something with the sound. Ben, we can't. Ben, hear we you. can't hear you. And we hear and my we echo. hear my echo. <laughs> How about now? Now you sound like a robot. How about now? That's much better now. I don't Look know what that. this thing is. <laughs> it is always my fault for some reason. <laughs> no, so the older I get, the less I want to let other people buy me things I want or need. So this time of year, my dad and my sisters ask me for gift ideas. And this there's this thing in my family. They've always been allergic to you sending them an Amazon link and then they buy that thing. They want the kind of thing you want, and then they want to pick it out. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I'm like, uh, I need a new gray sweatshirt, and I really would like this gray sweatshirt from REI. And then my dad's like, you know what would be better? (laughs) The clearance one from the JCPenney rack. (laughs) You know? And uh, I always find myself feeling super anxious and angry that I like get like 64% of what I want, but it's just not, it's not, it's so much, it's just enough, not what I want to make me like really ticked off. It's like worse than getting it. I'm sorry. It's worse than not getting it to get kind of what you wanted. That's funny, man. Uh, Anybody else experience that? I'll tell, I'll tell, uh, yeah, I I don't have that, uh, that same, uh, kind of issue. I, here's, here's my, um, Funny, funny story about Christmas gifts. Um, every year, I, well, I, I add things to my like my Amazon wish list, and like I forget mm. that there's one person in particular um, that I'm not going to name, but one person in particular who just checks the list and picks a few things off of it. But sometimes the problem is I forget that I put things on the list. And so sometimes I get things that I wanted nine months ago, but now I don't want anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but one of the things I got this past Christmas uh, was something that I forgot that I wanted, that I f- forgot that I put on the list, which I initially when I got it, um, I was like, oh, that's all right. It was, a, it was Bruce Springsteen's biography, autobiography. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, all right, well, you know, whatever. Um, but I just started to say, I said, well, I got this as a gift, so I'm just going to read it. And apparently I wanted it at some point. Uh, so I started reading it and it's really good. Um, so anyway, I've, I've really enjoyed, uh, Bruce Springsteen's, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography. Yeah, I guess, anyway. I guess why I share that Christmas gift story is because, um, this is, this is how hard it is for us to be vulnerable. Yeah. It is hard for me to let somebody else buy me something without controlling it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want it like this, this style, this store, this size, yeah. right? And um, do you think, it, Matt? Does that does so finish your thought? I have a question for you. Well, it's that. just kind of a silly anecdote about about how vulnerability yeah. is hard for me. Yeah. Mm. Not getting what I want, yeah. but kind of getting it, <laughs> and letting somebody else determine whether I get what I want or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what that's what this is all about. That yeah. Is. I don't know. You have a, you have a question, Ben? Uh, get, yeah, I don't know if we need to get into it, but okay. I, I was wondering. We don't. we don't need to process your Kairos maybe right no, now. But... No, I'm just throwing a wreck. You got to do that anyway <laughs> a little bit later. <laughs> anyway, I was going to ask if uh, what bothers you the most is that you didn't get the thing you wanted, uh, or if you think that um, the person who didn't get you the exact thing you wanted, if it has to do with like, this proves they don't really love me or this proves they don't really know me or see me or care about me. I don't need proof of that. I already know it. I think it's more (laughs) about, I think it's more about, um, I've, I've told you what will make me happy Uh, and you bought the gift that will make you happy. mm. It's more about that. Yeah. I've, I've, and you don't really want to know what will make me happy. You want to feel happy about what you give me more than you want to give me my delicious commodified happiness. Yes. And that bothers you. <laughs> oh, yeah. That bothers me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a double whammy. Like, oh, you care about yourself more than me. And mm. I still don't have what I want. <laughs> mm. And it's from mm. the JCPenney clearance rack. And so there's no returns. You know, yeah. those kinds of things. <laughs> But they do wrap the gifts for you at JCPenney, so it's oh, hard hey, to beat there. that. There you go. It, it is. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm joking about my dad. I'm giving him a hard time, um, yeah, but that's that's not that's not what happens typically. But it does happen. It has happened in the past in my family, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just concurring with your observation about how hard vulnerability is. Yes. It puts us at risk. It opens us up to hurt. It it yep. makes us dependent upon other people. That's basically mm. the the promise of our country. The American dream is autonomy and independence. Yeah. To do what we want and to get what we want without having to rely on other people. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're seeing the fruit of that. It's it's a hellhole. It's a hellscape out there. <laughs> but uh, you know, the fruit of that is we have way more autonomy and choice than we ever could want. Um actually it's a spiritually um uh, disorienting experience. But yeah. one of the repercussions is that we don't have to practice vulnerability to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And so it's really hard to ask. Yeah. Uh, the thing I'm thinking about is um, Ben and I are putting together this uh, workshop we're doing for Gravity this weekend called uh, The Church in the Wild, How to Be the Church When You're Not in Charge Anymore. And um, one of the things we're talking about is this idea of joining, mm-hmm. um, moving towards other to join up with them. And, and one of the ways I've described that in the past is uh, moving towards others, asking them for help. Yeah. Not as a strategy and not as like a technique, mm. but as a mm. recovery of humanity, yeah. you know? Yeah. This is part of Jesus' strategy where he tell, he sends out the 70 or 72, um, and he tells them to go and, and stay at the house that welcomes you. Let people serve you. Don't move from house to house. Don't like try to improve your lot or find somebody you like better, but just stay where you're at, be served, eat and drink what's put before you, heal the sick, <laughs> you know, as you do, and then um, say the kingdom of God's come upon you. And I think there's, there's a recovery of that, a recovery of this joining up, this mutuality that I think this text calls us to, to ask, seek, and knock. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we, and I think to do that, we have to believe that the goodness of communion is uh, greater than the potential pain that we will feel if we don't get what we want, uh, if we're rejected, mm. all of that kind of thing. I, f- mm. I feel like that's a really important thing where oftentimes we're avoiding the pain because we don't really believe that the goodness of connection and communion is worth it, so to speak. Mm. Um, yeah. That's been a... That's been, that's been something for me that I've had to, the good news that I've, uh, I've had to lean into and, and believe by, uh, you know, moving towards people and vulnerability is mm. like, the good news is this is worth it. Whatever pain I might experience here, it's worth the goodness of being connected, uh, in communion. So. Mm. All right. All right. That might be a good final word. Any final words, Spencer? Any, I think so. Anything? Yeah, I mean, we don't have to suss this out here, but one thing that I found really interesting is that the golden rule is tacked on at the end of this as well. Right, yeah. Um, And I think it was Willard in my preparation I was reading, and he said something like, our confidence in God is the only thing that makes it possible to treat others as as they should be treated. Hmm. Um, Yeah. And I I don't know that I can... uh, I'm not sure that I can like expound on that more than just that phrase, you know, like I'd like to be able to build that out more because there's mm-hmm. so much there. Um, and it's so, it's still a little bit weird to me that it's right there in this passage. I mean, just mm. Jesus is structuring this differently than I would, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and I, I would like for that to be unlocked for me. I'm not exactly sure what, what exactly is going on, but, but I, I want to understand it. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that might be a good place to stop. It's good. Um, yeah. Might be a good place to stop. Although Mallory <laughs> says she's got a story about how not to live out that passage. Oh, man. We have to get Mallory on here next time. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear, hear this story. Especially if it pertains to uh, Spencer. And yeah, totally. We need more dirt. Yeah, I feel like this is like... Spencer. Yeah, right. That's, what it, that's the vibe I'm getting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It, it would be it would be like her to say this. I got a funny story how not to live out this passage, and you'd be like, "Well, here's another funny little story about Mallory." 
yeah. <laughs> just totally assuming. Yeah. Just totally assuming, you know. All right, man. Thanks for uh, faithfully proclaiming the word among us, Spencer. Yep. Good to chat with sure. you all. Yeah. All right. And Peace, we'll see guys. You next week. All right. Bye-bye.